You are listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at www.pastlifelady.com. Connect with me on YouTube at Past Life Lady or on my Facebook fan page at Past Life Lady. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. guess what? I've got a new book coming out. It's called The Goddess Discovered, Exploring the Divine Feminine Around the World. And it is coming out on December 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. This book has over 500 deities in it. Part one of the book will take you into the ancient world where you will learn about ancient religions that you may have practiced during your past lives and you'll explore goddesses from the ancient Celts, the Norse, the Egyptians, the Greeks and Romans, and more. And then in part two, we will explore living religions, current modern religions, and the deities worshipped by people during our own modern times. In part three, you'll have a chance to take some past life regressions and even genealogical regressions to connect with the places where your ancestors may have worshipped these deities in the past. Pre-order The Goddess Discovered and you'll receive a free gift, a guided journey from me through my healing arts platform. I hope that this one will be a book that you will have on your shelf for years to come. And I cannot thank you enough for your support of this book. I'll have lots of events coming up. But meanwhile, you can pre-order The Goddess Discovered. And I thank you so much for your support. Namaste. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Care. Hey, dear ones. Welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So I'm on an amazing journey of interviewing some of my favorite new friends who I met recently at the International New Age Trade Show. And our friend today is J.R. Mascaro. He's amazing. He has a new book out called Seal, Sigil, and Call. This is a great book, J.R. Welcome to Healing Arts. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So this book is really... um, well, I guess I want to start by just sharing some things that I don't even know if I've talked to this audience about ever before in my life. But many, many years ago, I had a friend who gave me a book called Enochian Magic for Beginners. And I really, I never understood 
much about it consciously, to be honest, but I would open up the pictures and they were doing something to my inner mind. And I was also fascinated with the idea of John Dee, who was employed by Queen Elizabeth of England, because I think that I was probably a scullery maid who worked for the queen. I, I've read all these historical um, books about her life and things. And I was just always fascinated that she hired Dr. John Dee, and then he was communicating with these angels and developed this whole Enochian magic system. And so I've dipped into these. They do a little to my brain sometimes. And I feel like this is something that my soul has seen before. But I have to tell you that I have never even begun to consciously comprehend anything about what any of this was talking about until I read this book. This is the first time that I have been able to understand this. So congratulations. I mean, I think everybody has said what a great book this is because you're bringing the really far out esoteric into something that human beings can understand in modern times. And, and you've really shown us then how you're using this and how anybody could understand these things to start consciously creating their universe. So, so I just want to start out with all of that. Uh, get your comments on it and just say, congrats. It's a really cool book and I love it. Thank you so much. That really means a lot to me. That was very much my my intention was to take the practice that I've been engaged in for so long uh, and kind of make it translatable. So much of what we do as magicians uh, is not really readily brought into human language. So I tried to be very intentional and make this something that someone with no experience with with this sort of practice could pick up and say, okay, you know, I have a, I have an introduction from which I can launch my own exploration, my own mission of discovery. Absolutely. Um, I, I wanted to mention the person that wrote your foreword, it was an excellent foreword in this book, talked about your personal journey and how you found this work in the beginning. And I was wondering if you would share um, how you found your way into this kind of work in the beginning. Absolutely. So uh, the person who wrote my forward was Frater Barabbas, who is a prolific writer on uh, ceremonial and ritual magic. I definitely recommend his work. Uh, and my journey started, I, like, I always like to say, I'm continuing a, a body of work that began before this life. Uh, I, I was a very precocious child. Uh, my mother was often very surprised with the kind of things I would come and speak to her about. She'd be like, where did you, where did you learn that? And I'd be like, well, no, I just, I just know it, you know? Uh, but so a lot of my work began with attempting to dive into some of these older works that felt very familiar to me. Uh, but I, as someone with ADHD, found a lot of the more proscriptive and formulaic rituals to be uh, counterintuitive to the way I think and process information. Uh, and I also found a lot of the kind of Victorian books and things like that, which were very, you know, much, I, you need these reagents and you need to be this sort of person, things like that. I very much didn't resonate with that. My mother was not going to go buy me a, a solid gold ritual wand that was not going to happen. Uh, you know, she, she, she was okay with the transformers, but uh, I don't think solid gold ritual wand was gonna gonna make the list of birthday presents. So, uh, ever since I was a child, I was I developed ciphers to write in, uh, and I also drew symbols uh, that later on in life I would find out uh, are, are ancient. But at that point in my life, I did not know. Uh, you know, 
I, for instance, I always used to draw the O in my name uh, as the sun seal of Shamash, uh, the Akkadian sun god of, of justice and right action, credited with uh, inspiring Hammurabi for the code of law and things like that. And I didn't know what that was. I was like, this is a cool, funky looking symbol. And, you know, uh, it feels like it's right to me. And I put it as the O in my name. Uh, and, you know, in college, when I was going for religious anthropology, uh, I found out that that was an Akkadian religious symbol. Now, I don't use that as the O in my name as much anymore because I, I, I don't know if it's appropriate now that I know it's a religious symbol. But uh, I use many other symbols besides which uh, are, in, are in my book. So, yeah, it was, it was something that I've always kind of felt I've done. Uh, I've always had a very interesting relationship with time, I suppose, uh, since I've been here. And I've always had the notion that, you know, I, I'm here continuing something I've been doing for a long time. Uh, and when I'm done with it, I'll probably go continue it elsewhere or maybe even here again. I don't know. Uh, I have had the, the privilege of, as I say, as I phrase it in my book, glimpsing the mechanism, uh, having seen some, the way certain things revolve and function behind what we normally see. Uh, it's really given me a perspective on, you know, kind of the the depth of time and at the same time, the possible illusory nature of time and the perpetual nature of consciousness, which is one of the reasons I like your writing so much, uh, you know, because I, I very much am a proponent of the fact that the consciousness uh, exists, consciousness is the, primus, the primacy, that is the kernel of existence and our bodies and brains are vessels and transceivers for that consciousness. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And you seem to be really embodying, um, you seem to be one of these who has not dipped into the river of forgetfulness, or you didn't dive down as deeply as some of us, as you've brought so much of this material together. You mentioned the cipher. That was one of the many terms. I read your book and I found out this is like a, a symbolic language that you use these symbols to represent letters so that you can keep notes in your tome so can you explain this i learned i love <laughs> so so for me the cipher uh ciphers are something that were often used uh you know and, and i will preface this by saying i'm not a historian nor do i claim to be one but through my writing i can play say one on that, television so that I, I play one on tv <laughs> but uh so but from my understanding and my reading, you know, ciphers are something that were often used uh, to code messages that people didn't want read. Uh, and the way that that intersects with the practice of magic is in certain governments and time periods uh, over the course of history, uh, one didn't want to be seen openly practicing various esoteric arts uh, because that could turn out uh, not so great for you. So magicians would keep their notes in these ciphers or either they were numbered as ledgers that they were number ciphers or they were pictorial ciphers that could look like something like a pictorial notation of a, of a farm inventory even or something like that it's like there's a this letter is a grain of wheat something like that so i luckily have the privilege of not having to worry about that in this century uh knock on wood it will remain that way but there are certain things in one's working book they do wish to keep private because they are private notes. Uh, and while we do want to share our notes with our fellow practitioners uh, because we want to share our knowledge, there are certain things that are you know, private reflections and experiences. And in my particular system, the Panidolist system, uh, the names that are given to us by our spirit guides, uh, the Eidolons, the spirit entities, 
Uh, normally we keep those names private uh, because it's for them to introduce themselves to the people they work with. And that name is not the same between everyone. Uh, they know what name they've given to whom and it meant to signify and trigger in the conscious different things for different people. So we keep that to ourselves and we write those in cipher. Uh, I mean, I write a lot of things in cipher though. I mean, I keep my tax notes in cipher. So. <laughs> clever, 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 clever. So yeah, that's what I thought was so cool. Like you begin the book by talking about helping the reader to create their own tome, which would be like the book where we're going to keep our notes and then how to, here's an example of some ciphers and you're recommending people don't use the ones that you're picturing, but to actually start to create their mm -hmm. own and you take us through that journey. I mean, this is really amazing. Thank you. Yeah, I, I want to, I wrote this book to share the system of magic I had created, uh, but not simply to share it and say, hey, here's a thing that perhaps you can do, uh, but to say, here's a thing that perhaps will inspire you to create your own thing. Uh, right. I wanted to give people a buffet of techniques and say, you take the ones that taste good to you, um, put them on your plate and make your own meal out of it. Uh, and, you know, that goes from the very foundational elements of, you know, determining your own, uh, what I call the operating paradigm, uh, which is understanding, you know, where, why you are engaged in the work from where you believe it, it derives efficacy, uh, if you even do, or if you're doing it purely experimentally, uh, and how to keep a book that will last along with you. Uh, from the very practical, like what sorts of paper and pens stand the test of time in my experience, having had to transcribe many notebooks over the course of my life, uh, and to very non-physical advice, like mindsets to use and meditations to engage in, ways to balance one's energy and focus oneself. So that is, that is very much the goal of the book, is to have you create your own, to have you you know, I said, I don't wish to instruct on a topic. I wish to ignite a fire for, for knowledge. Pretty amazing. And so you get into, after the setup of taking us through these, um, the different manifestations of these guiding spirits whose name I don't want to, you said it earlier, but I don't want to, I want to, I don't mispronounce. Eidolons. The Eidolons. 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 So to yes. explain yes. these, and this is another thing that I think I've seen these sigils, these symbols in these books that I described earlier, but never even remotely understood what that was talking about. So explain to us. So it's the way I, I do it is different than a lot of people and a lot of things you would have seen uh, insofar as I, I really approach it one with a uh, kind of worldview agnostic way insofar as I say, you know, you can interpret this in the way that you'd like. If you want to see that these meditations and these exercises as a way of calling up parts of your own, you know, subconscious or of the collective conscious uh, from a more psychological way of saying I'm manifesting the, the highest uh, aspirational parts of my own self, my own identity, my own compassion, my own joy, my own, uh, you know, justness and equity, things like that, my own, uh, you know, passion for my projects and my arts and things like that, whatever you're looking to manifest, you want to say that's a part of me internally. I'm completely, you know, I, I that is, I encourage people to, to look at it whatever way they want. Or if you say, I believe I am speaking to extant external consciousnesses that may be part of the general oversoul, though the conscious multiverse, but are distinctly separate manifestations of that from myself that I am speaking to at this moment, that's also completely valid. Uh, and the 
seal of an idolon, well, first, before I even go through the seal, let's talk about idolons a little more. Uh, so I use the term idolon because there are many ways to speak about spirits. Uh, and I use idolon because it is an ancient Greek term that does not have some of the uh, cultural associations some other terms have today, even things like spirit or things like angel, although you could very much apply that same paradigm to them, uh, several of them. But it's because I view them as just, if you're looking at an external paradigm, that they are other entities to which we are speaking. They are entities that have not been incarnated as people or as physical beings. They lit, exist as protocols of existence uh, that manifest certain energies. Uh, and they can be communicated with through a meditative process in which you meditate on their seal. Uh, and that brings into your mind their energies and you will eventually make contact. You assign to them a, a sigil, which is kind of a shorthand version of a way to make contact with them uh, and a call. Uh, and it's very much, I use a lot of telecom metaphors for it insofar as the seal is kind of a mailing address or a telephone number. They don't have to answer your letter. They don't have to pick up the phone. Um, a sigil is kind of a, an instant communication text message, and the call is kind of the, uh, the the message you're sending. And they, the whole point of of the original ritual parts of of the exercise, there are things that I, I believe to be very enriching personally, and things that one should continue throughout their practice to to keep honed. But the after the initial meditative contact through the seal, which could take you know, days or weeks or maybe even months. It really depends on the person, how often they're enacting it and how compatible they are with the idol on their attempting to contact, of which there are 18 in this book, but a theoretically unlimited number in existence. Uh, once they have achieved that communication, the sigil and call is meant to be a more instantaneous form of communication. So I do not need to be in a ritual. I can simply just be saying, I need some help right now. Uh, and further on in the book, we talk about establishing the formal relationship of having Eidolons as your guides, so they're able to just pop in, you know, as as needed without formal, uh, you know, invitation, uh, and then various other techniques for working with them on a day-to-day -day basis. Wow, it's amazing. Do, do you think that, do, do you think everybody has like spirit guides or guardian angels or Eidolons who are with them anyway, beyond the act of actually calling them in? Yes. Uh, I, I very much believe in a kind of animist, panpsychist view of the world in which all of existence is invested with consciousness. Uh, and there are conscious manifestations aiding us at all times in one way or another. Uh, and the difference is that a someone who is engaged in the process of a magician is learning to communicate back with them rather than simply receive their influence and in order to manifest things in the world that are of, of good. So I, I always say and firmly believe that the highest goal of the magician is to work towards the common good, you know, of, of existence, to work towards a more compassionate, harmonious and, and unified way of life and way of thought for people. But you know, at the same time, I also like to say that magicians like need to pay the rent. Uh, and feed themselves. So it is not a selfish thing to to use your uh, use your skill, your technique, uh, I suppose would be the way to or your relationships with spirits to help enrich your own life uh, and make sure your needs are met. But the overall goal is is to make sure that you are helping 
to sow compassion, to sow kindness around you. Absolutely. I think that it is really valuable to learn how to direct consciousness. And, and one of the things in the book you talk about, um, or it was brought up that you really embraced meditation very early in mm -hmm. your own journey to open you up to these other dimensions. So how has meditation helped? So I, I think that at the crux, I, I can say that in my own life, at least, it has been true that all the mastery of all things and any mastery of any technique, whether that is playing an instrument or uh, drawing, uh, et cetera, is, begins first with the mastery of the self. Uh, and to me, meditation is like tuning a radio. If I am not in a place where I can receive a signal clearly, uh, I, I cannot hope to achieve what I would wish to achieve. So for me, uh, meditation is incredibly important because it helps me to stay in a present moment aware and grounded, I suppose would be the word, state uh, where I can be involved in that harmonizing, that interplay. I can be part of that universal call and response. I can hear what is coming through to me and I can sing out what I wish to convey in return. Uh, but if there is static on that radio station. Uh, if the, a bunch of stations are coming through at once and you know you have anxiety and nervousness and fear, et cetera, those things really get in the way of uh, really fruitful spirit communication. So very early on, I realized that if I was to continue along the, this path, uh, and perhaps it's something I had mastered in the past, but certainly with every new body comes new chemicals and new worries and new circumstances and societies. So I needed to, for, for this life, once again, learn how to meditate properly. And uh, so really that that is the crux of it, that in order to play the instrument, you need to tune it first. In order to receive the signal, you need to you know, have the radio at the right frequency. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Meditation uh, is probably the best gift I've ever given myself. That's for sure. I didn't find it till later in life. So I was just really inspired because everything that you talk about in this book, you really are self-taught, even from your early meditations, you taught yourself these things. I think from what I'm gathering, even the first time I met you, you just seem like you're very aware. You've come in here um, without dipping into the river too far to do your work. And it's really, really um, amazing to see. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've had help. Uh, you know, I've had my own guides who, you know, have been very, uh, very generous with me, especially, you know, when in my early young clumsy attempts at relearning, uh, and, and that's been, been very helpful. Uh, and I had a very, I was raised by a very patient mother who, uh, was able to see all of the things I did and not immediately tell me that I'm. I'm not just like, well, that's nice. As long as, as long as you're being nice to people, you can go and do this weird stuff. And I was like, thanks mom. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I've had good circumstances. This, this, this go around uh, insofar as uh, and I, I live in a, in a place where I can pursue and publish in the way that I do uh, in, in relative safety. And I can, you know, I count myself lucky enough to be in a family who is uh, understanding of my quirks and 
idiosyncrasies, even if sometimes the things I say uh, makes them look at me sidelong and say, well, well, well what? what? <laughs> yeah, I, I've had that myself. I think it is um, quite a blessing when you have families like that that are open-minded like that. Um, a lot of the students and readers and people that I've worked with over the years, you know, they're still trying to overcome the things that they were taught. And now they're having these maybe paranormal experiences and yet had had no support for that early on. And I think it does make a difference for sure. Yeah. And that's a question I, I get sometimes from people. Uh, you know, I have friends who are very much into the, uh, the paranormal investigation scene and things like that. Like, well, you're you know, you do what you do. Haven't you had any paranormal experiences? And I'm always like, my whole life is one paranormal experience. My baseline for normal is so very different. It's like, well, you know, I'm like, define a paranormal experience. Like, well, you know, maybe like speaking to spirits. So I'm like, but I do that every day. For me, a paranormal experience would be like getting somewhere without being in traffic. That would be supernatural to me. <laughs> if you figure that out, we need to have you on the show again immediately. Please help us with that. We need it. <laughs> That is so funny. Um, these these spirits that you talk about in the book, the 18. So do you find, I, I kind of already know the answer to this, but that each one of them kind of has their purview into the arena that they will help you with, correct? Yes. So I like to say that all Eidolons are willing to help you with pretty much any beneficent or self-cultivatory thing you wish to do. Uh, but they do have talents and preferences like like any conscious being. Uh, for instance, the first Eidolon, you know, is very much uh, typifies joie de vivre, life, uh, artistry, beauty, song, uh, revelry, appreciation of one's time in the physical realm. Uh, and so, you know, if you were looking to write a sonata, you know, be a great Eidolon to talk to for inspiration. Uh, whereas, you know, the third Eidolon, who is... Uh, much more into the world of insects and fungi and natural small microscopic things, tardigrades. You know, he, he probably isn't going to want to help you to write a sonata. They might try. I mean, there's probably some insight there. One could probably take inspiration from you know the movements of ants or something like that and write music. A great musician can take inspiration anywhere, but probably not. You know, going to be the most appropriate or easy way to do it so yes they do have their own things they they enjoy doing and also the 18 eidolons that i uh provide are of course ways first you should try to contact i always tell people to try to contact at least half of them and probably successfully contact at least three before they start going on to attempting to illuminate their own eidolons because in theory there are an unlimited amount of consciousnesses in existence uh the realm beyond the physical realm is not limited by space uh time for that matter so if you need to, that energy it's out there somewhere uh so learning to manifest your own connections to eidolons is very beneficial and the reason that i have the 18 there is to give you ones that i know are amenable to contact which is why they've been shared in this list uh and also to give you kind of a once you've seen those entries you're like well now i know if i make my own entry it should look something like this you know it should have the seal it should have the call it should have a little list of like the kind of characteristics that i associate with them etc and then so if you did have you know you're saying i want to learn how to make the greatest tofu sculpture in all of the western hemisphere i can say well i have no idea who would help you with that but you can go find one. Oh my gosh 
Um, yeah, I was wanting to ask about, you know, when I take people on guided journeys, and these are in my books, so like in journeys through the Akashic Records or in ancient lands and other worlds, we're going to relax, we're going to cross the threshold and then meet with an Eidolon who most of my people would call a spirit guide, a being of light, or an angel. And what I found is the I have an angel, that's how I would describe it, who meets me there. It's the same one I've had for many, many years, that there is a special, that's my special idol on who has that purview of opening those doors into, um, you know, past lives and other worlds and things like that. So when you are setting up for this, one of the things I always describe is that it's good to set your space and prepare the external world so that you can go into the inner world. So I know you agree with that. So how do you prepare your external world to make those journeys that you're, you're going on with these Eidolons? So for my external world, if I'm going to be going into a, a deep meditative journey kind of state, um, you know, I am very much fond of, you know, ritual circles and candles and incense and the music. Uh, I also have a construct I call the Temple of Mind, which is, is not unique to me, although I think that name I haven't heard before, uh, which is the idea of forming a mental space that you can go to that is a visual visualization tool where it actually has, you know, chambers and things like that. So, uh, you know, I might go to a chamber in my Temple of Mind that is you know, going to be conducive to a ritual state uh, and you know, the breathing exercises involved in that and such. And normally I would then do a actual formal call uh, of an eidolon because as I said, the formal calls, once you have a relationship are not necessarily 100% um, needed, but certainly the more deep of a work you're going to do and the more kind of intention-based of a work you're going to do, the more you want to do that kind of formal kind of ritual work because it's bringing your mind to a ritual mindset. Uh, so that's kind of my physical preparation. I also like to, depending on which Eidolons I'm speaking to, I speak to the first Eidolon a lot. Um, it's one of the reasons you got listed as the first, <laughs> because uh, they're very adept at making introductions and um, helping one to come from a place of joy. Uh, and so I, I play the lyre. Uh, as, as does that Eidolon, uh, who has been very helpful in learning. And so I might play an instrument uh, to relax myself, either my lyre or I have several flutes that I play uh, and get to a place where my I'm breathing slowly and I'm hearing music around me and I'm feeling the energy around me and I'm smelling the incense. It's just a full sensory experience. Uh, but at the same time, I also acknowledge that all of those things are bonuses and that the, the sole necessary tool to do the work is, is intention, is will, is thought, is consciousness. Uh, you know, so if you are, you know, in the middle of the woods and have no ritual reagents with you, uh, there's still nothing preventing you from making the contact. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, you can't get so dependent on them that you're not able to go there without them. But I, th I think there is something maybe for beginners that's helpful to put some of those little bells and whistles in place so that they can get past themselves. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think bell is actually a really fun way to put it. I'm better I, than I, I used to be, it, but uh, I don't know, very distracted in the past. No, I think bell is a good way to put it because I always think, because I think of it almost as a Pavlovian thing uh, insofar as I 
burn the same few sorts of incense every time I go into a ritual. You know, I have my lights usually dimmed. I have specific, you know, chime music and things like that. So even though I can go and go into a ritual state, I mean, at this point, having done it for so many years, pretty much voluntarily, that is kind of something that will bring me there. So, you know, if I am having, uh, you know, a day where it's been a rough day and I'm not as grounded as I'd like to be and I need to, you know, get back into that state a little more, a little more aid than I normally would, then those things will bring me there because I've had so much association with those things over the years. So when I smell, you know, like Kopal burning, I'm like, oh, it's time for ritual or Kopal. Kopal? I never know how to pronounce that word correctly. <laughs> oh, I don't know how it to pronounce a resin. a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, the resin, but... yes. Yeah, um, it's a good point. It's a good point. Do you do your practices every day or do you do them when there's a need or is it more of a meditation combination? So yeah, my ritual practice is not daily. Uh, you know, that, that's when there's a need uh, because rituals are elaborate <laughs> and are not always necessary. But at this point, I mean, when it comes to communicating with Eidolons and, you know, that sort of interactional practice as well as you know those the work of understanding and directing and receiving energy that it's daily uh, i mean that's perpetually uh, but ri actual ritual practice uh is usually when there is a, a need for a formal calling for a formal type of work uh, but if i'm simply you know going about my day and need some sort of guidance or just want to check in on the energies around me that's that's just a daily thing. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Uh, like people ask me, well, how often do you do a past life regression? Well, not very often. I think yeah. you would do a ritual probably more often than I would even do that because it is a tool, you know, don't you think? You're yeah, well, it's it's the kind of thing you're not doing it for the sake of doing it. Uh, I mean, meditation is more like that. Like I'll meditate daily because that's right. about keeping your energies in center and keeping yourself in center. Uh, so that's beneficial to do daily. But if I'm doing a ritual, normally there's a purpose for that ritual. Uh, and although I will do rituals just to kind of seed joy and compassion and positive energy uh, on a, on a, I'm not gonna say regular, but at least a, a seasonal basis, uh, you know, maybe coinciding with, uh, you know, solstices or equinoxes, I'll sit and I'll do, well, let's do a ritual for just, positive growth to send out to whoever's receptive to it um but normally it's just if i have a if i have a a need for it, it says well i would like this eidolon to help me accomplish a thing or to aid someone or someone has requested i do get that a lot i get people who request that you know i send them positive energy and that i'll do a ritual for or uh, if i'm making a gate that's kind of which is a anchor for uh uh energetic effect uh i call a gate it's perpetual effect and normally i anchor them using cards which you can see them actually on my instagram which is at jr mascaro i have a bunch of uh gate cards and i also actually have handmade oracle cards i make because that's one of the ways i help people communicate is i'll talk to them and i'll have a deck with all the eidolons and a couple other ritual and symbolic symbols from my practice and then i'll be like well let's see if they have any messages for you uh so that kind of work i'm much more likely to do at people's request um, you know, if someone says, oh, well, I'm having a, a rough time, can you do a ritual and make a gate for me? I'll say, well, yes, of course, I will. I'll do that. And either whether that's, uh, that gate has a physical anchor or it's just the energetic pattern, or if I make a card and send it to that person, that's something I also do. Your Instagram is really cool. I did look at it. I'll put the links below. Thank you. <laughs> you should go check it out. Really gorgeous photography. Fabulous. So 
Um, so if someone's out there, I guess I want to ask, do you feel that, I mean, with you, this feels like this is really a calling of your soul to this work. Do you feel that happens with everyone? Or do you think this is something that some people might get um, the call a little later? And then how would they first, I, I, I would say, pick up a copy of this book, obviously, um, it'll <laughs> help you. But what would you say to somebody who's just thinking about this in the back of their mind and, and how to get started? So... I think that everyone can benefit from this sort of practice. And not everyone's going to go down the same, not everyone's journey is the same, certainly, and everyone's going to tailor it to their own work. But even if they, even if you pick up, you know, the pan idolist perspective and just learn to meditate and come from a place of present moment awareness, that in and of itself is, is incredibly beneficial. Uh, and I have not a lot, I mean, this book has only been out since December, but I do have people in my life, uh, you know, who have used some of these practices as well since before it was published, uh, who I've taught, uh, mostly family. And, you know, they are just even among us who are that very close. It's very different in the way they have manifested. You know, I, this is a constant part of my daily life. There are people who will, you know, not talk to an idol on for six months and then say, well, I need to talk to one and take out my tome, my little address book here and, and ask this question. And that's perfectly valid. And there are people who, to whom it becomes, and hopefully people will read and to whom it will become a central part of their practice. And that's also wonderful, but it's really just about being curious and seeing where it takes you. I, I very much always say it's about the journey. Um, it's about picking it up and saying, what am I going to learn from this? If you're interested in it, there's a reason you're interested in it. Uh, what am I going to learn from it? And is it a small lesson that I will incorporate and move on to something else? Or is it a big lesson that will cause me to, you know, dive deeper into this? Uh, and you know, the only the only way to uh, to understand that is to begin. Absolutely. Speaking of beginning, I know someone's going to have this question because they've asked me this question um, on different interviews. So when we are working with these Eidolons, how are we discerning that they are those of joy and peace and happiness and love rather than I mean, unwanted I influences? So I have yet to meet a, a malevolent Eidolon uh, simply by virtue of the fact they are kind of protocols of existence. Uh, so, I mean, they're just, they just are energies that are, uh, and many of them uh, aren't even don't even have the the idea of intentionality. Uh, they they just exist in the way just fire or wind exists, uh, and then can be spoken to and manifested by your, you know, request for direction. But otherwise, they're out there being. Um, but when you are engaged in the practice, the first things you're learning are to center yourself, to set a, an intended space around you. Uh, and you'll learn that before you'll, you're speaking to anything if in the practice I give you, you're learning to discern energies and you're learning to discern feelings. So if anything wanted to talk to you that was didn't have your best interest at heart, I probably wouldn't even at that point define it as an Eidolon, but you would feel in that sensory field that you have that hmm, this doesn't, this isn't chiming in harmony with the, the tune I'm sustaining. Uh, and then you'd know to, to let that subside. Uh, and that's very much why I have people meditate and learn energy and learn uh, centeredness first, because they're saying, okay, and now I know what it feels like to harmonize with, with a part of the universe that wishes for good and wishes for uh, compassion and kindness. Even, I mean, good is a word that I, you know, people define differently, which is why I kind of 
always define love and kindness as the highest good. And if it's coming from that place and it's harmonizing from that place, then you'll know. And if it's not, then, you know, you'll close the door and say, no, thanks. You know, I don't, uh, I'm not interested in whatever's being sold over here. Yeah, I have to ask that because people ask me that all the time. I just, um, I just have good things come through as I expect yeah. you do. You know, I yes. think you're setting an intention. So that intention and those barriers are there um, with the guidance that's around you. That's the way I've always yep. looked at it. Yep. And also there's uh, the idea of self-sovereignty that uh, on, an, on an energetic level, you are in control of you and your energetic field. Uh, and it's not going to get through unless you believe it can get through if there's something out there that's not kindly intended towards you. But yeah, because the, the forces I work with in the way that I call them always are you know, predicated on work for the highest good. You know, I I've had positive experiences my whole life around them uh, and accomplished some positive things. So, yeah. Yes, you have. Yes, you have. Tell us your website and where we can get a hold of you. Absolutely. My website is jrmascaro.com. And from there, you can see all of my events that are coming up. Uh, the next one in two weeks, I'm going to be at Mystic South uh, in Atlanta. Uh, and then I am at jrmascaro-author uh, is my author page on Facebook. And then once again, on Instagram at jrmascaro. Uh, I have people try to add me on my personal Facebook a lot. I usually don't accept those unless I know them in person because it's already getting very full of all the wonderful people I meet when I'm traveling. But yeah, Jeremy Scarrow author is the, is the personal one. And um, yeah. my Instagram is really the thing that gets updated the most. Although my website will always have uh, my upcoming events on it. Excellent. We will have all the links below. Your website is fantastic. Your Instagram is amazing. I love it. Thank you. I enjoyed this book. I loved it. Congratulations. I am going to read this more fully and start to get into this in the ways that you've suggested now that I actually know what these things mean. And so if someone out there is looking into this, it's in the soul calling, then I highly recommend JR's book and check out his Instagram, his website and everything else. We'll have the links below and I will be seeing him again at Mystic South in a few weeks, which I'm looking Yay. forward to. Thank Yay. you so much for having me and definitely keep me posted on your journey with it. And you know where to find me if you have any questions or comments or just want to tell me about your cool experiences. Yeah, that would be excellent. Excellent. JR, it's been a joy to have you on the show and friends we have done it again another episode of healing arts so check out jr's website and all of his wonderful books and offerings and i will look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of healing arts Hey friends, have you wanted to access the Akashic Records but had no idea how to do that? Well, guess what? My new book, Journeys Through the Akashic Records, will take you step by step through the process so that you can access other realms of consciousness for your own healing and transformation. This book will show you how to open the door to this wellspring of information meet with your spirit guides, do present life healing, psychic protection, 
Go out into the field of possibilities to access your higher soul's purpose. Meet your guides and helpers, your soul group, and so much more. Again, over 50 guided journeys await you as you access the Akashic Records and receive information that is personal to you for your healing and self-transformation. Check out the book now. Just go over to my website, pastlifelady.com. Click on the book link and order today. You've been listening to Healing Arts with Dr. Shelley Care. Visit me online at pastlifelady.com or on YouTube at Past Life Lady or connect with me on Facebook at Past Life Lady. <laughs>